Mides Whitlow. I'm in Saskatchewan and I was driving through the town of Moose Jaw and I decided to stop and look through the phone book and I found Randy Bryn. And Randy had served in Tanzania, Nigeria, Ghana, Papua New Guinea and lives in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan right now. So I found you. <laughs> it's been many years since you've been in touch with QSO. Yeah, very elusive. You're the elusive. Well, I found you. <laughs> Very transient, I guess. Uh-huh. So, uh, tell me, how old were you when you first started serving with CUSO, and what made you begin? Uh, I just heard about CUSO from a friend that had gone to Malaysia, and uh, he enjoyed the experience, and I thought, well, I might, I might as well try it. So, I, I started uh, when I was 26 years old. I just got my journeyman welding certificate. Mm-hmm. And I thought this would be a good, good opportunity to to go and travel the world, maybe see something different. What year was that in, sorry? 79. 1979. Okay. And I went with a big group of 100, about 150 people. Wow. And we left from Toronto. And uh, my, my eyes were wide open. Mm -hmm. And I think the most moving experience was just leaving Canada. <laughs> Charles de Gaulle or something, not Charles de Gaulle, it would be uh, in Montreal. Uh, I can't remember yeah, the Yeah, I can't remember. The, they've changed probably. Uh, the airport? The airport, yeah. Itself. Were you all together on the same yeah. flight? Yeah. On going, one flight? Yeah, Nigeria. We're Ni just replacing the other, wow. the, the, the two-year-olds that were leaving Nigeria. It was a big program. I think there was 375 Canadians wow. there. And do you remember a lady named Marion? Oh, yeah. You know Marion? Well, she's, she was the uh, director, wasn't she? Marion White. She White. went on a, on a, maybe at the same time? Oh. No? As a volunteer, no. no. But I do remember Marion from the, the head office. Oh, okay. So you head off all together. Uh, you had orientation at the university there? Yeah, we had a huge orientation. It was about three weeks to a month long. Wow. Yeah, it was probably very intense. Huh. And so... Um, what did the, this welder, what, so that was your trade? Yeah, and we met with this instructor, <coughs> Joe Blau, I remember his name distinctly, and well, he was good, he sort of, I guess, um, prepared us for the, for welding to, you know, to students who English is their second language, so it was very, very good in that way, hmm. but hardly any preparation for what I was going to face when I got there. So you, you, so you get on a plane, you get to Nigeria, and which town do you go to? We went to Kano. Kano? And then again. How do you spell that? K-A-N-O. Okay. How many people in Kano at that time? Uh, Small town, uh, big town? Oh no, it was a huge town. It yeah. is, okay. Large city. Yeah. So that was just a central, I guess, mustering point where we actually met some uh, volunteers who'd already been in the country for a year or so. Okay. So we were able to give us some insights. Um, and then we started taking language training, which was relevant to where we were going. Probably not that, um, it wasn't that useful, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we were a bit overwhelmed with the I trip bet. itself. A lot of people had never traveled overseas. Wow, what an eye-opening experience. I think so, yeah. So you, which town do you end up working in? In Kano? I, I was up in the Muslim area, which is the far north, and it was called, it was called Mashi. Mashi. 
M-A-S-H-I. Yes. Small town? Very small. Okay. It just had a secondary school and it was quite a ways removed from the village itself. And what did you do that? Teach welding? Teach welding and uh, associated trades uh-huh. like uh, metalworking, mainly metalworking because the electricity was not um, fully functional, I guess. There was a generator at the school, but it only ran for a couple, three hours a, a week. And and uh, in where did you live when you were doing that assignment? We lived right on the campus, okay. as such. Uh-huh. Well, it was a very dry, semi, semi-desert, I guess. Okay. So, out of that first assignment, what uh, struck what what struck you about being on that assignment? Some uh, story that comes to mind? I guess it was just the uh, the driving conditions, <laughs> which were uh, quite hazardous. Yes. And I just because of that fact, I didn't leave the that area that much. I only went for um, uh, if I could go and visit other Cusos in the immediate area and that. Mm-hmm. But I would stay for Christmas vacations and Easter vacations and whatever. I'd pretty much stay around the uh, compound. Um, who were your CUSO friends at that time? Well, we had uh, a couple of CUSOs that we... Uh, 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 there actually, there was Brian Hindle and myself okay. as a CUSO. And then there was a VSO, uh, John Scotsman, I can't remember his name. All me right. So it's amazing, you know, in the field you were out there working with the uh, CUSO and VSO volunteers and, and now in uh, 2008 CUSO and VSO merged. Well that's good, I think it's, it's wise that, you know, to cut the costs and not, the, not doing, I Double. guess, overlapping um, hmm. duties and that. So after Nigeria you come back to Saskatchewan? Uh, briefly, I just came back maybe a month. And then I went off to Ghana. And then you went to Ghana. Yeah. Where in Ghana? Right in the capital, Accra. Into Ghana, uh, Accra. Mm-hmm. We just had an um, um, uh, alumni from Saskatoon just returned from Accra oh. on on a project. She's in yeah, she's in Saskatoon. Okay. So what were you doing in Ghana? I taught at the Polytechnical. I was the head of department for mechanics. Wow. Mechanical. Um, it was good, but then they, they had the, uh, on January 1st of, I went over in 81. Yeah. And I believe on New Year's Eve of that year, that's when uh, Rawlings, Colonel Rawlings took over again. So okay. that I was there for the, the coup. Okay. Wow. So I got to see that firsthand. Uh, I've been in the coup. Yeah. In, in Uganda. Uganda. So it's, uh, it's a pretty intense time. Not eating in there. Uh, no, but yeah, Idi Amin took over from uh, Milton Obote. Oh, okay. So that was uh, one coup. Yeah. I saw another one, but yes, uh, probably two, two, two coups and an election. So coups are pretty, uh, pretty amazing things. You you sit at home and you kind of wait to see what happens, That's isn't right, it? Yeah. And you hear there kerfuffles around. Yeah. And there was curfew on. And curfews, yes. Wow. Yeah. So you were there only. One year then? Seven, about seven months. Seven, and then they shipped you out? Actually, I, I could have stayed, but I had, I had, at that time there was no meat in the capital, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm sort of a meat eater, so I was kind of missing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I went to my uh, principal uh-huh. and asked him if uh, 
if I should stay or not. He was asking how he could get out of the country, so I figured oh. maybe it was time for me to leave too. All right, so did, did you come back to uh, Saskatchewan again? I came back and uh, almost immediately left again to New Guinea. You are a PNG guy, Papua yeah. New Guinea. Yeah, and I went for the two years there to Madang Technical College. And that was in Madang. Wow. Teaching again? I'm going to run out of pen here. No, that's I okay. Pen here. I got a good pen. <laughs> yeah, I was teaching. I was, it was a good, it was a very good school, and everything was available. And uh, it was a, an apprenticeship uh, system, and it was very structured. So I was able to s actually work in my own welding trade and, and uh, take in 15 apprentices every year and, and follow them through the trade. So it was, it was really rewarding. Did you ever see them again? Yep. A lot of them became police officers. I did go back. I've gone back twice, actually, since then. And you found these people? Yep. Actually, I, because Madang, PNG blokes, they generally uh, stick around that area that they're taught in, I guess, or trained. How did they receive you? Oh, uh, they happy very to good, see yeah. you? Papua New Guinea, there's amazing people there. Uh -huh. I mean, for a welder in Canada and four years apprenticeship and that, they can uh, be pretty competent in, uh, in welding. But mm -hmm. Papua New Guinea, we only had them for a year and they're fully competent. Wow. Not even rate them as high as a Canadian after four years. Wow, so quick learners. Yeah, quick learners. Enthusiastic. Yeah. One, one, at one point, I always remember, I always asked the students what do they want to do when they finish their course. Mm -hmm. That was the first time, and all they wanted to do was go back to their village and use their skills to build up that area. Mm -hmm. And then after they'd finished their training, I asked them what they wanted to do. And all they wanted to do was go to the bright lights and make big money and uh, basically stay away from the village until such time that they had to go back for a reunion or something like this. So you must have felt sad about that because well, those... Well, it was, yeah. I, it didn't matter. I mean, it didn't matter, but I... Mm -hmm. and I And I can't blame them at all. Yeah. I mean, that's basically... Everywhere the in the world. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. go to the big smoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. And then after Papua New Guinea, you end up in Tanzania? Yeah, I went up uh, and I worked for a group of farmers from Prince Edward Island. Oh. Which was not really a good experience. Okay. How long did you stay there? I stayed there for three and a half years. Years, yeah. Holy. In a very, very remote village called Lulanzi. Lulanzi? Yeah. Is it, where yeah. is it? In the, I don't know this. Camp. It's uh, right by, it's in Oringa. It's just off outside of Oringa. Okay. Didn't, you didn't enjoy that assignment? Well, for three and a half years, you think I would, but the farmers that I was working for, the group of farmers, they could never find anybody to replace me. Oh. So I stayed there until um, I pretty much couldn't stand it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore because of the, not the isolation, the isolation was fine, but just because of the uncooperative nature of the farmer group I was working for. And what were they farming? Uh, they were uh, the the are uh, the people. Yeah, the farmers. The, the Tanzanian. Yeah. Uh, they were maize, mostly maize. Uh -huh. 
they had some livestock. They had, it was a co cooperative village. Okay, so because Nerere was mm. doing those kinds of projects then, which has changed quite a bit now. Yeah, we in Tanzania. Um, so, but I also understand you worked with VSO after that. Oh yeah, I worked six years with VSO. And where? I went to. Uh, I went to uh, Swaziland. Wow. So yeah, I went to Botswana first. That okay. was, uh, wow. What was your position then? In Botswana, I was, uh, I was the um, head of the department for welding, the apprentices okay. again. Okay. And that was a good, rewarding three years I spent there. Okay, and then oh, sorry, with VSO, you you did you volunteer? Were you a Part of the volunteer, yeah. or you, or you work for the company. No, I work VSO. Okay. Yeah. And then the second after Botswana. Actually, I ran the VSO office there. Okay. And that was in Swaziland. Okay. Kingdom of Swaziland. Wow. Well, that was good. What a big, long history and rich history in in volunteer services overseas. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was good. What made you kept keep going? Oh, well, I just keep kept on enjoying it. Even though we didn't get a lot of money, I thought that was probably the most rewarding time, I guess. And uh, did Personally. you have family there, or no? Uh huh. You no, but I came stronger, I guess, with my my family back in Canada because of the distance. And and how did you communicate with your family in Canada? You write letters. Well, uh, of course, back then, of course, there's no internet, so yeah, I was all writing letters. Uh huh. Three weeks there took to get there, and three weeks back or whatever. So, but your pay, your your writing skills came, seemed to improve, and mm -hmm. seven pages of writing. You know, you sort of looked forward to doing that, and you started it three weeks before you knew you'd get the uh, return. Well, that's wonderful. So you had a lot of thoughts in there, I guess. But did you save those letters? No, I, my mother did apparently. But yes, she still hasn't. Oh, she! It would be lovely to hear about some of your experiences. There's some uh, alumni that have written, uh, published books called Letters Home. Oh yeah. And uh, some of them are pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Do you, do you yeah. keep any photographs from any of those? Oh yeah. yeah I'd right. love to have one scanned and sent to me. Okay. So I can put it up uh, on our 50th website. So QSO VSO, as you know, as I said, merged in 208. Mm -hmm. QSOF uh, was founded around 1961 right. and VSO around 1958 right. in, in Britain. So uh, it's our 50th and uh, we're having a huge reunion in Ottawa okay. in 2011. We'd love to have you yeah. there. Well, I might make that. It depends on when it would be. I... It's in June, summertime. Okay. Yeah, just for the long weekend or yeah. the weekend would be good. Yeah. So did, when you came back to Saskatchewan, what did you do? You Actually, I didn't come back until 2001. Wow. And I figured my, my folks were getting a little bit old, so maybe I should spend a little more time with them. And I uh, thought I'd get back in the trade, so I've been un a union welder okay. since then. And with which company? Oh, I worked with um, a First Nations company called Tron Power. Uh -huh. And. Uh, I worked with the millwrights and the pipe fitters, and these are different unions. When you look back at the time that you spent 
all over the world with all these age with QSO and VSO. What did it what did it do for you? What did it change you in any way? I think it it made me more patient, it made me more flexible, especially flexible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, moving around, especially with the union work that I do now. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it now, I'm in more of a permanent job. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can move into the different uh, rural areas of, uh, or the northern areas and be pretty comfortable where I find other people who didn't do that travel sort of have uh, a limited understanding, I guess, of uh, different people, whether it be rural Saskatchewan people, rural northern natives. Mm -hmm. I guess I just have a better understanding or a more focused attention to, you know, their problems and things like this. Hmm. And I have more, I guess I, I question, you know, what they do other than work. And uh, there are a lot of similarities, but again, there's not that many similarities between urban and rural, I guess, in Saskatchewan. You know, when I look at the time that you spent with the company, just there's thousands and thousands of hours that you have served with us. And uh, so on behalf of QSO and VSO, I'm here in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, yeah. to say thank you very, very much, Randy, Thanks for, for your service. Yep. We'll Excellent. see you in the thank 2011. You. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, I got a...